You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. Hey guys, welcome. It's good to see everybody this morning. Hope you are having an awesome weekend. We're so glad that you're here. And I am particularly glad that you are here to join us as we kick off a new message series uh, called Empowered. It's going to be a focus on the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we're going to be doing this today through uh, Pentecost Sunday, which is the last Sunday in the month of May. So we're very excited not to just be doing it here at this Vineyard Church, but we are actually joining with hundreds of other Vineyard Churches in the United States uh, to just give a focus for this uh, six to seven week period on the ministry, the person, the purpose, and the power uh, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And we're going to be focusing today, our our title today is Holy Spirit as Revealer. The Holy Spirit uh, has many roles, uh, many functions, many dynamics of his personhood. Uh, But today we're going to be focusing on that, that he is a revealer who is always revealing goodness and truth. Uh, that's what he does. That's who he is. And uh, we're going to talk about that today. But before we get to the idea of Holy Spirit as revealer, I want to acknowledge uh, that there is a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's just put it out there. And uh, there's a lot of confusion, uh, and not just in the world, if you will, but also even in the church. Uh, there's a lot of confusion in the church because uh, there's probably in a lot of church circles, the Holy Spirit is almost non-existent. Uh, sometimes you'll get him mentioned at the end of a prayer, maybe, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But in terms of a real understanding and a developed uh, knowledge and experience of, of who he is and his important role uh, in the Godhead, a lot, a lot of times it's just dismissed and it's, not, it's like he's not even there. And so um, uh, when I ask, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Um, some refer to him as a ghost. So what is he? Is he a person? Is he a thing? Is it a him or is it an it? Uh, and uh, so we want to talk about that this morning. Um, Barna Research uh, is a group that studies religious trends all around the world, particularly in the United States. And one of their studies just a couple of years ago found that 39%, more than a third of the 2,000 self-proclaimed Christians that they interviewed um, here in the United States said that they believe the Holy Spirit is not a real living being, but merely a symbol of God's power, of his presence, of his purity. I mean, a symbol, not a person. That's That's incredibly sad. That's, that should be shocking to us, uh, that the very one who empowers uh, the church to be all that the church is intended to be is, is not even acknowledged as a real entity. And that's, that's one dynamic in the body of Christ. And so should we not be confused that the church is rendered as powerless as it is in some circles? Um, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, And there's a lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit uh, in Pentecostal churches. And it was a very wonderful church, healthy theology, good church. But even in my context, in growing up in a Pentecostal church where there was a lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit, I have to say there was probably more emphasis on his function 
rather than his personhood. Uh, a lot more. At least for me, my initial emphasis was more about seeking selective experiences with the Holy Spirit rather than an ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I've also been in the church long enough to know that for a lot of people, uh, they've had bad experiences with the Holy Spirit in terms of how he was taught, how he was presented, uh, expectations, the idea of if you haven't had a particular experience with the Holy Spirit that produced a certain reaction and or response, then you are a second rate or less than Christian. And so you, I can understand why there would be a, I don't need that. I don't want to go there. But I, I am so incredibly thankful uh, that while the Vineyard Church is not perfect, believe me, I've been in it for a long time, I know that, because I'm in it, that's also part of the imperfection of it. Um, but I do know this, and I am so thankful for this, that uh, we have uh, a, a really strong theology and practice of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and we believe that these three, they are, are, are co-equal, they are co-eternal. We believe in a triune faith, the Trinity, if you will, uh, one God in three persons or three expressions, and each one of them having unique roles and responsibilities that we fully embrace, but they all work together in harmony and in unity. And in the vineyard, we believe in the person we believe in the power, and we believe and desire and welcome and hunger for the presence of God. And so I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, Diane Lehman is uh, a vineyard pastor in Illinois, and she's written a very, very practical, very helpful book called Hello, Holy Spirit, God's Gift of Live and Help. And if the Holy Spirit's a new topic for you, I would encourage you, uh, this would be a really great, very practical resource to take a look at. I think you can probably find it uh, on Amazon, where you can find everything else, right? Um, but uh, she says this about her description of the Holy Spirit, and I, I want to begin with this. She says, the Holy Spirit is not a ghost, an impersonal force, or an elusive power out there. He is neither a doctrine to be studied nor a distant deity to be feared. He is a person to be known and loved. He is God himself. He is one of three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. He is God's gift of himself to each of us. And he makes the Christian life indescribably beautiful and a fun-filled delight. I love that. I love that. Uh, and I hope and pray that that will be our experience of the Holy Spirit, that we will know that he does. He makes this life of being followers of Jesus indescribably beautiful and a fun-filled delight. I had another vineyard pastor who used to say, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, but there's also fun. So uh, may that be the case. Holy Spirit, we love you. We welcome you. We desire you, more of you. So we ask that you would come, that you would come and fill us, come and give us a true and right understanding of who you are and all that you desire to be in us and do in us. 
we welcome you here. We love your presence. We honor you. And we say, come Holy Spirit, bring the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I journey on, I'm going to switch mics, Peter. Peter and I did a thorough mic check this morning, double-checking connections and everything, so we did do our due diligence. I guess I just need to just throw this mic in the trash. So, Because to everything there is a season, right? Yes. The first of our core values as a Vineyard Church is that we are people of the kingdom of God, who partner with the Holy Spirit. Now we read in Acts chapter two and we're working up to the day of Pentecost when we celebrate Pentecost Sunday on the last Sunday in May. We're working up to that. And and, in Acts chapter two, we read where the church began as the disciples are gathered together waiting on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised to them. And and the, the Spirit was poured out on the disciples, empowering them to be like Jesus and empowering them to do the ministry of Jesus. And guys, nothing has changed in uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit's prescription of how he wants the church to function. All right? There's no new plan that he has for us. He still desires the church, not just to be birthed out of the Holy Spirit, uh, but to continue to live and function and thrive in the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Spirit's power. Holy Spirit, the, the word for spirit in both the Hebrew and the Greek, uh, ruach in the Hebrew, pneuma in the Greek, those words both mean breath. And we all know that breathing is essential to life. And the same is true in terms of the life of the church. We cannot be fully alive as God desires us to be as, as individuals, as a church, uh, if we are not experiencing the breath of God, the Holy Spirit breathing in us, uh, doing his work in our hearts and lives. Now, Acts chapter 2, the the Holy Spirit has a very, very grand entrance, but this is not the first place he has shown up in Scripture, all right? So to give a little basis, I mean, he's been there the whole time. He is co-eternal, as I mentioned earlier. He has always been, always will be as part of the Godhead. He's present. He's active throughout all of Scripture. We see him, uh, we see him active in creation of the world. He was with the Father and the Son making all that we know in this beautiful world that we live in, uh, creating man and woman in their image. We see him throughout the Old Testament in all kinds of different ways showing up uh, in individual situations and circumstances, empowering uh, priests and king and prophets and judges and craftsmen and craftspeople and just all kinds of unique ways for specific purposes for a specific time. And then, of course, in the New Testament, we show, see him showing up uh, in the, the consummation of, of Jesus with, with Mary and the empowerment of Jesus to do the ministry that he did. And we see him, uh, the Holy Spirit, showing up to birth the, the, the church, empowering the church. And from Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation 22, the Holy Spirit is present. There is a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. A lot, and we're going to be covering a lot of the different aspects of the Holy Spirit. I do, I want to start today with his role and his work as revealer, Holy Spirit as revealer. 
The Holy Spirit reveals himself to us by the life that he births in us. This life, the Holy Spirit, he loves, he loves revealing Jesus to us. In fact, we can't come, we can't come to the Father, we can't come to the Son, except that the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us. Um, He loves revealing Jesus to us, the true, real Jesus, not a fake Jesus of social media memes like the prosperity Jesus or the socialist Jesus or the Jesus that we try to construct in our own image and justify with our lifestyle choices or our political views. Yeah, those Jesus exist as well in our minds and our world, don't they? But we come into relationship with God by accepting God's gift of salvation that comes only through Jesus, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. We celebrated that back in Holy Week and Easter's Resurrection Sunday last week. It's our new birth, a new spiritual birth that Jesus talked about with a a religious leader named Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And as I read this passage, it's a very familiar passage. It leads up, of course, to John 3.16, uh, probably a verse that we all know or, and or are familiar with, but Jesus, in his conversation with Nicodemus, he's laying the groundwork for how the Holy Spirit works in revealing Jesus and bringing, him to, bringing us to him. And so uh, notice, notice the Spirit's role in all this as Jesus explains this to Nicodemus and to us in John chapter 3. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. And you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to be key to the miraculous and mysterious event of salvation, of bringing us into relationship with God, that he's the actual agent of this new birth that God invites us to and offers us through his son, Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one who draws us, who explains things to us, who makes uh, our sin known to us, not to condemn us, not to shame us, but to invite us to righteousness, to invite us to rightness uh, as per God's standards, loving, good, and perfect standards. He is the one who makes God the Father and God the Son known to, uh, to us. So when we come to relationship with Jesus, when we say yes, and we receive God's gift of salvation, it is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Uh, doing that work so that we understand that revelation. We don't do this on our own. And, and also, let me just say this, as, as people, we're to be doing the work of evangelists, right? As followers of Jesus. Uh, it is a big, uh, it takes a, a load off to know that it's not my responsibility to, to actually lead someone to Christ. I have a role in that, but only the Holy Spirit can draw someone. My job is just to show up and be obedient to what I sense the Holy Spirit doing in that moment. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives birth to our spiritual life and to the spiritual lives of those that God has called us to reach out to. This is, this is the gospel, the really good news 
of, of Jesus Christ. And it means that if I've said yes to Jesus or you've said yes to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He is inside of us. The presence of God is resident inside of us. Now, that doesn't mean that we fully understand him. That doesn't mean that we still don't have questions. That doesn't mean that we are necessarily experiencing him to the fullness that he desires uh, for us to experience. So uh, there is always more. There's always more that the, the Holy Spirit wants to do in us and with us, forming us, making us more and more like Jesus, and empowering us to do uh, the, the ministry of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, he, has, uh, he loves revealing Jesus to us. That's one of his primary roles as revealer. The Holy Spirit also loves to reveal in other ways. He loves to empower us so that he may reveal himself to others. He loves doing that. Uh, the book of Acts is a place that we're going to spend a lot of time throughout this series. And it is such a, a beautiful and powerful, very clear-cut show-and-tell history of how the church uh, began. And it's also a guidebook for us today on how the church should continue uh, its ministry. Uh, early on in the book of Acts, we read about a man named Philip. Philip was called out. He was uh, chosen uh, to be a deacon in the early church in Jerusalem. And, and one of his primary roles was to help take care of feeding and, and just take, taking care of the widows uh, that were there as part of the early church. But the, the Holy Spirit continued to do a wonderful work in Philip's life, and we see him uh, moving from that role of deacon and, and, and caring for widows uh, to that of evangelist. And particularly in Acts chapter 8, we see him uh, ministering to, I guess, probably one of the ultimate outsiders uh, that we read about in the early church. It's in Acts chapter 8. It's a, an Ethiopian government leader who is also a eunuch. And in chapter 8 of Acts, we read where the Holy Spirit sends an angel to Philip to give him some very clear instructions. And this is what he says in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. He tells Philip this. He says, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so Philip started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the, the Candace, or uh, some uh, translations say Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. Uh, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And get this, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So the Holy Spirit, sending an angel uh, to, to go to Philip to say, hey, I want you to go here. And now the Holy Spirit himself is coming to Philip and he's telling him, go to that chariot and stay near it. Can I give a side note here for a second? Uh, just because of, I live in the same world you live in, and I think it's really important for us to acknowledge that gender confusion and sexual identity is not a new thing. It is certainly something that's uh, very prevalent in our, uh, in our social conversation right now, but this, uh, reading this this week and even thinking about this message uh, reminds me, this is nothing new. We don't know why this man um, has, had been castrated. Apparently, it was a common uh, practice in the ancient Near East uh, for men who had been castrated to serve in government positions. 
that's just really interesting on a variety of levels. Um, we don't know why he had been castrated. We don't know if it was his choice or if it was the choice of someone else. But we do know this. It was very, very unlikely. It was virtually impossible that he himself would have been uh, Jewish. And, and being a eunuch, he certainly would not have been considered a candidate uh, for Judaism. So this guy is very, very much an outsider, both because probably his ethnicity, but also his physical state. But there was a spiritual hunger here. There was a spiritual hunger here. He was on a search for God. And so this eunuch made a long journey to Jerusalem to worship. And somewhere along the way, he apparently at the local, uh, the local uh, you know, religious bookstore picked up a scroll of Isaiah. Uh, he picked it up somewhere and he is reading from it, writing, uh, the writing of the prophet Isaiah. And so Philip is listening to the Holy Spirit and, and responding to his guidance. And then we pick up in, in verse 30 that Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet, which that was pretty common when you read uh, to read aloud. And so he did that. And he says, uh, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked him. And the eunuch said, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And they looked at a particular passage of scripture from Isaiah. Uh, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, uh, so he did not open his mouth. And in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself? Or is he talking about somebody else? And Philip began with that very passage of scripture, and he told him the good news about Jesus. I love, there's so many dynamics here, it's such a wonderful illustration of how we can engage all people. Uh, and I, I love the fact that it begins with asking questions and listening rather than just coming in with our, you know, our pre-prepared message that we're gonna get across come hell or high water. Uh, and we wonder why we're not more effective. I love the role of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding. I love Philip's submission of waiting and just letting the Holy Spirit uh, lead him and guide him. And it says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, hey, look, here's water. Uh, what can stand in the way of my being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he gave the orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of God shows up again. This time, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. And in this example, we see the Holy Spirit revealing God's will to Philip. It's like, okay, through an angel, the Holy Spirit sends an angel, and the angel tells Philip, go and do this. He's obedient. And I would just say again, as we consider all that's going on in the world today, in every social construct, in every conversation regarding morals and ethics, uh, to, to, and particularly sexual identity, transgender issues, gender roles, let us make sure that we are tuning in to the Holy Spirit 
that we're listening more to the Word of God and to the Spirit of God rather than to political arguments or talking points, okay? Uh, let's, let's remember that. We know the truth of God's word. We know that God created man and woman. We know that brokenness and sinfulness expresses itself in all kinds of crazy ways. We know that. We live that. I would say, let us be people who partner with the Holy Spirit to say, okay, God, who might you be bringing me in contact with today? Who might you be leading me to have a connection with And rather than just going in with our uh, pre-ordered and prescribed list of you can be this and that and this and that and don't be this and that, let us listen to the Holy Spirit first and foremost. Let us look and recognize the spiritual hunger that is there in all of us. Sometimes it gets so covered up with the crap of this world and, and so many different things that we can't even recognize that we're not even looking for it. I would just say, Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear what you're doing in each and every situation. And let us be people uh, in in submission and in humility, just like Philip, just to say, Holy Spirit, I'm just going to go where you take me. I'm going to see what happens in this conversation. I'm not going to have an agenda. I'm going to lay down my agenda to fully receive your agenda, your talking points, and to engage and, and know that it's not my responsibility to reveal God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does that, and he is very capable of doing that. But he invites us to join him in that journey. And I got to tell you, that's the part of, of the fun-filled life of a follower of Jesus that, that, that Diane Lehman was talking about and, and her, her, her comments about who the Holy Spirit is and what he loves to do. Some of us are not experiencing the joy of the Lord to the the fullness that he wants us to because we're not listening and we're not joining him. We're not partnering with him on the incredible adventure that he wants wants to take us on. But it requires us seeking first his kingdom, being willing to be led by him, being willing willing to, to be led to maybe some communities that we might not feel very comfortable in, that we might feel completely out of place in, I mean, I'm imagining it probably was a little weird for Philip just to go be hanging out by a chariot, you know, just as it's going along. And, uh, but he's in obedience and he's listening. He's listening. He didn't start screaming at this guy from, uh, from the, the side of the road, but he's listening to what he's doing. And some really, really good lessons. I would encourage you to read over that. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you specifically some things that he might be wanting to do in, in us we need to remember, people are all people are created in the image of God. All cre- people are created in the, the image of God. We all have a spiritual hunger, a hunger that the Holy Spirit wants to satisfy. And it's God's plan. It's not our construct, but he wants to use us to, to share his love and his goodness. And he's willing to use us to be part of those life-changing stories. In fact, tradition has it, that this Ethiopian eunuch was the first black evangelist to go to Africa. It's amazing. There's so many ways the Holy Spirit is revealer, but I will end with this one. The Holy Spirit brings us clarity where there is confusion. Um, Mary Margaret and I just celebrated our 33rd anniversary. Woo-woo! Yeah. 
And we had the chance to go to, um, the week before Easter, to go to one of our favorite places in, in the world, uh, Fripp Island, which is down in the low country uh, of South Carolina, below Beaufort. And um, just always a great time. Charlotte went with us. We had a wonderful week, beautiful weather. It was a great time. But on our way to Fripp, there is an island that we've also enjoyed in the past. We've been going to this area for over 30 years. And uh, it's called Harbor Island. And I remember one Christmas that we'd done all of our Christmas travels with family, and we um, decided to go to Harbor for a few days, just the two of us. This was pre-kids and, and all that good stuff. And one of the things that was happening as a backdrop for this particular visit was that I was working in television. I was working with the NBC station here in Augusta when Mary Margaret and I had gotten married in 1990. I told her that we would be in Augusta only one year. <laughs> so during that first year when we got married, we started attending this, this church called The Vineyard. And we, like the people here, we got more and more involved. We started uh, helping out with youth and we started helping with worship and small groups. And just little by little, we got more and more involved. The church started growing. I was working, got to be good friends with the, the founding pastor, our lead pastor, Thor Kohlberg. And Thor just started this crazy conversation about me coming on staff with him as a pastor. I'm like, I have no interest in doing that at all. Uh, I mean, none. That's not what I want to do. I'm you know, doing media, I'm doing news, and that's, that's the, 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 the ticket for me. And that's, uh, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of favor in it and uh, some good opportunities. So that's, that was my, my thing. But I got more and more involved in the church. I started leading worship, started doing some other things, and God began to do this heart change for me. Um, to an extent that I actually started thinking and even considering the idea of what would it look like if I did this? What would, what would it look like? I mean, I wouldn't even consider it before. And I'm starting to think about it. He's like, Reese, I need some help as an associate pastor. Would you consider? No, no. Maybe. And so he makes an official offer to me to come on staff, to leave my, my role in television, to come on staff in September of 1994. And I, by that point, I really wanted to do it. It's like, you know, that, that whole idea, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, Psalm 37. I began to like, okay, I think I want to do this. God, I think, yeah, yeah you, you've, you've changed my heart. You've changed the direction, my trajectory. I think, I think this is a yeah. And it's like, I told Thor, I gave him a good Christian you know, answer. Give me a month to pray and fast about it, and then I'll let you know. Because I knew I needed to have that, de that definitive yes. And I did that. And at the end of September, I didn't have that definitive green light. I'm like, God, what's going on? And Thor's like, hey, Reese, everything good to go? I'm like, I don't think so. It's like, why? It's like, I just didn't get the green light that I knew I needed to get. I just didn't get it. I wanted it. That's the crazy, I wanted the green light. But it wasn't there. And so it's like, okay, this is weird. And I continued to serve as a volunteer and the roles that I was doing, I, I knew that he needed help. He was looking for some other people as well and talking to some other folks. And that, uh, I was reminded of a story when we drove by Harbor on the way to Fripp last week, um, a week before last, 
And I remembered a conversation that I had that December, because by December, I was still in this funk of, God, I feel like I'm not supposed to do TV anymore, but I don't have this green light to what you've, I sense you're calling me to. What, what's up with this? Because at that point, I'm also hearing from some TV stations and other markets and other places. It's like, God, these are some really good opportunities. And what, what, what's going on? I was confused. I was in a fog uh, in every way. And I remember one day, that was one of those winters, you know, sometimes we would go to the beach in December and it would be like 75 degrees and beautiful. That was a, that was, I remember that particular trip was one where it was really cloudy and rainy and cold the entire time, but the beach is good any time of the year. Amen. Amen. Yeah. But I remember walking out on the beach in an old barn jacket. Um, and I think we actually have a picture of, of the two of us in that. And I, I'm often reminded, I remember walking on the beach by myself like, God, what is going on? What's, I mean, what do you want to do? I'm, what, I'm, I'm at the beginning of a new year. What are your purposes? What, what's going on? And I, I, I want to do this. I feel like you're calling me to do this. This is not something I've contrived. It's something you've opened. And, but yet I, 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 I just don't sense your yes. And I got to have your yes. I got to have it. And I just sensed the Holy Spirit saying, the next time he asks you, it's time. So I told him no in September. We hadn't had any more discussions about it at all. Although we're seeing each other multiple times a week, interacting, serving together, no conversations at all. So I get back in my office at the TV station like the 2nd or 3rd of January, my first day back. At 8.30 that morning, I get a phone call from Thor, Reese. I want to ask you one more time. And that began a series of, yes, it's time. And in hindsight, I was able to see just within a few months that that timing was much better on so many levels. Uh, I'm not going to go into that right now, but God provided clarity where there was tremendous confusion. Um, there, was a, there was guidance that he gave in a moment of, of just being aimless. I didn't know what was going on, and I believe that that's something that the Holy Spirit wants to do as revealer for some of you today, that you are in that place. You're confused. You're not trying to figure, God, what do you want from me? I, I, I want to do your will, and I don't have that clarity, and I would say this. The Holy Spirit loves to, to do the work of revealer by leading us and guiding us, showing us uh, the, the way to go, clarifying when, where there is confusion. This week, I was doing my devotional reading from the lectionary, and I came across Psalm 16. And I want to close with this this morning. It's a psalmist. David says, Lord, you are alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. The Holy Spirit is the one who facilitates that for us today. He is the one that does that in us, in our hearts, in our lives. And this morning as we worship, I just want to invite you and encourage you to be open. Our worship welcomes the presence of God. Worship team, you guys come on up. Um, our worship welcomes the manifest presence of God. He loves to come and meet with us. 
And in the exchange of us expressing our hearts and our praise and our welcome to God, I also encourage you to be listening, to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit might want to, to say to you or to speak to you or assure you or bring you comfort. Maybe, it's, maybe it is an area of he wants to reveal Jesus to you that you haven't yet received Jesus as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. Maybe that's how he wants to, to meet you this morning. Know that he loves to do that to let you know that God loves you and he's inviting you into relationship through Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you're like, God, I just so want to be more effectively used for your kingdom, but I've been doing it through this prescribed way that maybe I feel like I need to do and it's, it's leaving you out, Holy Spirit. And I, I, I want to stop doing that. I, I want to be led by you in my conversations and the way I approach broken hurting people. Or maybe you're here this morning and you need clarity. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of aimlessness and you need guidance. You need direction. The Holy Spirit loves to come and to reveal himself and God's goodness and his love in all those ways. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we love you. We welcome your good work in each of our hearts and lives. Come and be honored in us in this church. Come and empower us to be more like Jesus. Come and empower us to do the ministry of Jesus.